three, two. Hey, this is Anna David with After Party, and you are listening to Rebellion Dogs Radio. Today, how the baby boomer generation is destroying Alcoholics Anonymous and what you and I can do to stop it. Hey, welcome to Rebellion Dogs Radio. This is episode 32, always a 21st century look at 12-step life, now with less dogma and more bite. What we are going to talk about today is a collision course that pits generations against each other in terms of how the comfortable and natural way that the baby boomer generation expresses themselves and how this loses the trust or interest of younger generations. Why? Well, novelist and writer uh, Douglas Copeland, while he wrote a 1990 book called Generation X. It helped dignify a generation lost in the shadow of baby boomers. If there wasn't a X, there would be no Generation Y, now known as the Millennials, or Generation Z, which suffers the indignation of only being called post-millennial. Let's hope uh, they uh, take ownership of their label and uh, define it themselves. But anyway, Those are some of the uh, generations present in 12-step recovery today. And here is something that Douglas Copeland uh, recently wrote. Uh, It was in the foreword to a book I have on order, and I'm waiting for it to arrive. It's by Rosa Harris. It's called Boomerville, Musings on a Generation that Refuses to Go Quietly. So Copeland writes this. The boomer generation is the only one that unselfconsciously uses the pronoun we when describing itself. X, Y, and beyond flee the room the moment someone says we. Hmm. We stood at the turning point. We practice these principles in all our affairs. Douglas Copeland, is it something we said? The quote speaks to 12-step culture, of course, it it speaks to a larger issue with uh, baby boomers' domination of all cultural matters. If it's getting at the heart of the need of future generations, what does this say about the sustainability of AA and the way we tell our narrative? Long before AA's centennial birthday, which will be 2035, will be a mostly millennial fellowship. Will our literature resonate with newcomers and 2035 longtimers in the same way that the we-loving baby boomers feel about AA rhyme and verse today? Here's something else to think about. Is our job as stewards to preserve AA as it was or prepare AA for those yet to come? Hmm. According to the U.S. Department of Health Services National Center for Health Statistics, okay, everyone say that with me again. (laughs) U.S. Department of Health Services National Center for Health Statistics, this is how the breakdown goes generation-wise in and outside of 12-step rooms. 
The generations that they're looking at are the silent generation, baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, post-millennials, or Generation Z. So the silent generation are 72 or older. They were born between 1928 and 45. Baby boomers are 53 years old to 71 years old, born between 46 and 1964. Generation X, born from 65 to 80, are 37 to 52 years old. Millennials, we think of them as kids, but they're 20 to 36 now, born between 81 and 97. And we now have post-millennials from 98 to 2014, they're 3 to 19. Uh, and I'll remind you that some of our AA members, about 20,000 of them, are below the age of uh, 20. So we have some of those in our midst. I'm a boomer. According to Copeland, when I or we of my era say, what AA needs to thrive in the future is to dot, dot, dot. What I really mean is what I want, dot, dot, dot. What makes me most comfortable, dot, dot, dot. Also, if Copeland has nailed it, I'm under the misapprehension that I'm speaking for everyone. I am unaware of projecting my own biases. Speaking in the authorial we might not be an empathetic community-building way to treat fellow addicts or alcoholics. Certainly, things are different since my foggy memories of what made me start to feel comfortable in AA and want to get sober, maybe this is a serious generational thing, an actual communication breakdown. Cue the Led Zeppelin music. See, that's so baby boomers. Unless someone younger points it out, how would I know that the way I express myself is repugnant to the generation of AA that matters most, Generation Next? So I just uh, read to you the uh, list of uh, generations. Uh, it's on the Rebellion Dogs publishing uh, website as well. And I'm sure you've seen the triennial survey. It's 2017, so they're collecting data again. That won't be available till 2018. I'm sure the 2014 data will be close enough. And it shows us that the average AA member is 50. So the average AA member is already Gen X. And half of the members are younger than our average and half are older. So we've got 21% uh, that are 41 to 50, 14% 31 to 40, 21 to 30, here comes our millennials, 11% and under 21 another 1%. So 25% of us are millennials. The number can only grow. If one assumes that AA will grow or at least stay the same uh, at our current roughly 2 million population, 
exactly 0% of our current literature was written by Generation Next. As Bill sees it, dried up for new content in 1971 when Bill died, Gen Xers at the time, 1971, the oldest, were only six years old. Is it possible that the way the older half of our fellowship likes to be read to from the podium is turning off the younger generation? Could this be a contributory factor to AA's population stagnation or decline, depending on how you measure it, since late last century? Today we take inventory of AA's literature. The same would be true for the bulk of the copycat 12-step books that followed. Let's look at the authorship of we and consider how big a problem it is and what we can do about it. First, let's look at AA's generational trending as studied by the Pew Research. This uh, 2016 report starts off with a zinger. Millennials have surpassed baby boomers as the nation's largest living generation. Millennials, young adults up to the age of about 36, are 75.4 million of the U.S. population, surpassing the 74.9 million baby boomers. And we, of course, are 53 to 70. And uh, Gen Xers, they are about uh, 36 to uh, 51 or 2. They are projected to pass baby boomers in population by 2028. There will be the same number of them. More baby boomers will be dead. Now, 2028, that's well before AA's centennial birthday, 100 years from our 1935 start. If AA still gathers around a 100-year-old, never-updated big book, how large will that 100th birthday cake have to be? Who will be left to care about AA legacy? If our literature inadvertently polarizes our current and future demo, AA loyalists will be in sharp decline. So the Pew uh, Research Report, it goes on to further future shock us. For a few more years, Gen X are projected to remain the middle child of generations caught between two larger generations, the millennials and boomers. They are smaller than millennials because the generational span of Gen X is 16 years, shorter than millennials, which is 17 years. Baby boomers have always had an outsized presence compared with other generations. They were the largest generation and peaked at 78.8 in 1999. Talking about my generation, as the Who sung to us. Baby boomers have taken it back. No, no, no. We no longer want to die before we get or got old. A language started getting old in, I guess, 1999. If we continue to party like it's 1999, oh my God, even Prince is dead. Uh, we are dreaming if we imagine AA having a relevant place in a discussion about addiction and recovery in 2035. Our literature is written most often in that we authorship. As a writer, I can tell you it's not natural. 
And if we were to replace it with a better way, we could solve some of the uncomfortable and clumsy obstacles. Just writing and reading to you this last sentence, I find that this we thing, uh, it is an insidious habit. I struggle with this very dilemma. Uh, as many of you know, I wrote a book for people with alcohol and other substance use disorders. I remember trying this out as an author. Was I going to write uh, Beyond Belief, The Agnostic Musings for 12-Step Life in First Person, I-I-I, uh, finger-pointing U-U-U, second person, or we authorship? To 12-step rooms of any generation, we talk like live in person. That begets eye-rolling. Uh, in the preface of Beyond Belief, Here's how I reconciled this editorial conundrum leading up to the January 2013 release. The daily musings in the book are written in the customary we voice. I know only obnoxious people talk this way in meetings. However, this is a style used in self-help writing. There are imperfections with the English language. They become even more pronounced using this we voice. Technically, God of our understanding should be gods of our understanding. If two people believe in God, the God of one's understanding is different from the other's, hence God's. Clearing away our side of the street should really be our sides of the street, but nobody talks that way. Our drug of choice, used in NA all the time, should be our drugs of choice. And our inner child should be our inner children, to be consistent with the plural our. As an editorial turning point, there was no way to be grammatically correct and not come across awkwardly. Most daily reflection books are penned in the we voice, so we do too, despite the ambiguity. In light of Douglas Copeland's new information... Would I make the same editorial decision? If I'm thinking about the average person new to recovery today, she's a millennial. Or maybe she's Gen X or a teenage Gen Z. So if I had to do it over, maybe I would do it differently. Okay, we're going to look at we authorship. This is a section I'm going to call the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. Our first literary effort wasn't written from an exclusively we authorship perspective originally. It was written in second person, you. The original manuscript and the edits of chapter 5 include the statement, if you are convinced, you are at step 3, which is that you made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand Him. The next edit was, being convinced, we were at step 3, which is, that we decided to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. This you-to-we authorship change was a reaction to broad criticism that our manuscript was going to confront and alienate our prospective new member. Doctors who worked with inebriates reminded us that telling a problem drinker what to do uh, wasn't going to be well received. Better we tell them what our experience has been. Stop pointing the finger at the alcoholic. Use suggestions. Don't make commands. We were told this by academics, religious, and medical experts of the day. It made sense that it would be more palatable to our readers. Uh, other examples in the uh, original manuscript. 
Half measures will avail you nothing. You stand at the turning point. Throw yourself under his protection and care with complete abandon. Now we think you can take it. Here are the steps, dot, dot, dot. AA's first manuscript. So, the we language reflected our experience. It didn't presume to instruct. We made a list. We stood at the turning point. Uh, we found this to be a big improvement over you must this and you will find that. It was just right for the time. Now, let's look at that big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. It took from 1939 to 73 to sell a million copies. By 1990, we sold over 10 million copies, and we sold 1 million per year until 2010, where we exceeded 30 million cumulative big book sales. So there was really a short period of time where we were selling a million copies a year. From 2009, that was our high, 1,220,138 big book sales in a year. Uh, the following year, we dropped almost 30%, 887,500 in 2010. Uh, we'd stay below that 1 million mark for uh, several years to come. In 1990, when we were regularly selling a million a year, baby boomers were between 26 and 44 years old, prime time for coming to AA for the first time. By 2010, boomers were 46 to 64 years old, past the average age uh, that suffers of alcohol and other drug use disorders first come to AA. Not uncommon to come in at that age, but not the average. Since 2010, the average newcomer is Gen X, 30 to 45 year olds, or even millennials in their late 20s. The, as Copeland would call it, unconsciously blissful baby boomer talked up this we-we-we experience during our heyday. This phenomenon turned AA into uh, one of the USA's largest publishing companies, driving Bill Wilson's books, Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, AA Comes of Age, and As Bill Sees It, to over 50 million copies cumulatively sold by 2010. Along with book sales, membership growth follows this we generation of baby boomers too. AA broke 2 million members in the early 1990s when boomers were 30 to 45 years old, which is prime newcomer age. The 2017 first time to AA member of 30 to 45 years old, they're Gen X and Millennials, were at the end of the Our Experience Has Taught Us generation, and we're now starting the era of I mistrust you if you keep talking that way, AA member. No problem. If the way the literature is written no longer is communicating effectively, we can change a few pronouns, right? Well, this is We Authorship the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, the Bad. In 2002, the General Service Conference affirmed the following advisory action. The text in the book, 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, written by Bill Wilson, remains as is, recognizing the fellowship's feeling that Bill's writing be retained as originally published. It should be no surprise that the lion's share of the 2002 delegates and other conference members were we-loving, 
boomers. Reflecting on the challenge of a new millennium, it was 2002, remember, AA at least was asking the question, ought our literature be updated? Is this mid-20th century language and literature up to code for the millennial generation? The blowback was unwavering. In 2003, they looked at proposed changes to the 12 uh, steps and 12 traditions, and these uh, fixer-uppers uh, were brought to the General Service Conference, which voted unanimously to reassert the 2002 idea of never altering Bill W.'s writings. Not one wee word. So the Welcome to the New Millennium introduction in the 12 and 12 reads as follows. Alcoholics Anonymous first published 12 Steps and 12 Traditions in 1953. Bill W., who along with Dr. Bob S. founded Alcoholics Anonymous in 1935, wrote the book to share 18 years of collective experience within the fellowship of how AA members recover and how our society functions. In recent years, some members and friends of AA have asked if it would be wise to update the language, idioms, and historical references in the book to present a more contemporary image of the fellowship. However, because the book has helped so many alcoholics find recovery, there exists strong sentiment within the fellowship against any change at all. In fact, the 2002 General Service Conference discussed the issue, and it was unanimously recommended that the text in the book 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, written by Bill W., remain as is, recognizing the fellowship's feelings that Bill's writing be retained as originally published. We hope that this collective spiritual experience of the AA pioneers captured in these pages continues to help alcoholics and friends of AA understand the principles of our program. So that's what uh, the one-page introduction in year 12 and 12 looks like today if you bought it this millennium. We boomers, who prefer the we language, pretty much reified AA's bestsellers into our own likeness. It isn't wrong to preserve a legacy. The question is about our primary purpose. As asked previously about stewardship, is our duty to A, preserve AA in the likeness of our founders, or B, prepare AA for the best way we can for the AA member yet to come? So this is the ugly of we language. One point we've already made, Gen Next is saying loud and clear, we don't feel comfortable with the we try to carry the message to alcoholics and practice these principles in all our affairs language. And as Gen X Doug Copeland describes us, boomers unselfconsciously retort with a glee, if it works, why fix it? We will be amazed before we are halfway through the more insidious consequence of a generation of we talk is a tendency. A tendency towards believing that or representing the AA experience as being universal. The thinking goes, if we did this and we got that, then we must be the same. To all but the unselfconscious, this just isn't true. 
if I do 12 things exactly as you explain that you had done them, I will get a different result than you did. If you do the same as me, you will get a different result as well. Results will vary. Let's take AA's love in with the word spiritual. Contrary to big book warnings, bristling over the word spiritual is harmless. Being united as AA members isn't to abandon authenticity and cave to groupthink. It's fine to have a practical experience as a result of these steps, or just an experience as a result of these steps. It's cult-like to take our literature literally and encourage conformity. And <laughs> the next generation kind of sees this. If spiritual is the word you would use to describe your experience, run with it. Spirituality, it's a fine word. Go for it. Just don't worry about me. Don't worry about the rest of us that take a pass on claiming to having had a spiritual experience. We will get and or stay sober just like you in our own individual way. And we agnostics, what it said was, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 48. This is one fly in the ointment of taking literature literally or isolating a single statement without context. This very statement was walked back in so many ways over the years. By the second printing of the same big book, more had been revealed. Appendix 2, The Spiritual Experience. It's our sober second thought about AA. We note that while our more religious members call it God-consciousness, many AAs identify their sobriety as being a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism, the educational variety, a profound alteration in our reaction to life, and so on. Recovery can be pragmatic or material instead of spiritual if you prefer, this problem of groupthink starts, or at least is compounded, with using the we authorship. To quote AA Chairman of the Board, Emeritus, Reverend Ward Ewing, as I'm apt to do, experienced Trump's explanation. Well, here's exactly what he said. What we believe about something is far less important to living than what we experience. Experience is what transforms us. Belief is in the head. It's our attempt to explain the experience. Experience trumps explanation. Thank you. Ward B. Ewing, trustee emeritus, past chair, non-alcoholic of the General Service Board, ordained Episcopal priest, Retired President of the General Theological Seminary. We all share the transformative experience from compulsive drinking to being freed from the bondage of addiction. 
Calling it a spiritual experience is an explanation, which doesn't help everyone in the room identify. While many sincerely identify, AA isn't faith healing, and it's an established fact that conformity to a religious explanation of recovery just isn't necessary. To encourage conformity is not helpful, and this misstep is front of mind for AA's younger generation. Okay, enough of the negative hope for a future that includes AA. Baby boomers threw an anchor in the water and declared the writing of Bill W. to be sacred. I share the opinion that it wasn't Bill W.'s wish to be reified uh, or cast as the final word or a more precious word than any other AA member. It's not the founders that are to blame for resistance to change. It's the nostalgia-snorting baby boomer generation that's the problem. Blame me. Blame my generation. I've asked before, if the book Alcoholics Anonymous was a textbook, wouldn't it be updated every five years or so? Grade 5 math principles are largely the same today as they were in 39. However, we change mathematics books every generation for good reason. If I sound nihilistic or defeatist, maybe I'm just trying to show that I can relate to Generation Z, the cool kids. They love that hashtag post-apocalyptic stuff. They're the Z generation. So if you think I'm being the prognosticator of hell and damnation a little too heavy, maybe I'm just trying to make a point. The future's not predetermined. We aren't held hostage waiting for AA as a whole to change its editorial policy. There are things we can do today at our home group. You and I can save the AA day. Here are four ways to save AA from the notorious baby boomers. Save the day action one. Stop reading from the big book at open meetings. August 2017, Grapevine. It had an article, Too Much Too Soon, suggesting that reading how it works at meetings might not be the best way to set newcomers on the right course. Here, this is from Grapevine, August 2017. What's on your mind? Too much, too soon? One member says reading how it works might not be the best way to set newcomers on the right course. Most people walking in the door for the first time don't need to know how AA works right away. They need to know that they're in the right place and that the program does work. So why do so many meetings read How It Works from Chapter 5 of the Big Book? I suspect it's read because that's where all 12 steps are named. But most newcomers don't need to know all the steps at their first meeting. And too often, someone walking in the door has been struggling... That's a sober idea that only sounds radical because of what you and I are accustomed to. If I stop reading from the big book at my home group, I eliminate a lot of we talk. You don't have to ban the book. Just stop drowning our meeting in it. Dr. Bob got sober shortly after talking to Bill W. Bill had no book, no steps, no how it works. 
but the two men helped each other get and stay sober. In the absence of traditional readings, newcomers hear first-hand accounts, not we talk. I might say in a meeting that I read this or I read that and it helped me this way. So it's not forbidden fruit, but leave the book on the library table for now. Attraction rather than promotion. Curious minds will find it. Save the day action number two. Focus sharing at meetings on personal experience. There's nothing sacred, nothing forbidden about AA formats. There's no musts or must-not rituals. Stop praying. Stop saying, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. Any of these customary rituals are just that. Not all of them were done in the meetings that got our founders sober. Here's a local example. Toronto. We are not saints group. They light up Friday night by opening with the AA preamble. The chair identifies two or three minutes explaining why they think they're an alcoholic and why they came to AA. Then uh, the chair, what she'll do is ask for three topics. She'll write them down, pass around the paper with the topics. Everyone can share or pass or talk about something completely different. The meeting closes with the responsibility declaration. If the steps are talked about, it's in first person, not we this or we that. If higher power is talked about, it's a personal experience, not a God as we understand him. A literature is found at the library table of We Are Not Saints. It's next to the coffee, tea, and treats. Reading literature on one's own time is encouraged, but first-hand accounts dominate the meeting time instead of what 100 now-dead white guys did 75 years ago. So, save the day action plan number three. Stop quoting from the big book or 12 and 12. Okay, now I do this. I do this on this show. Why do I do it? It lends authority, and I get to say we when I mean I. Okay, that's a confession. It's sneaky, it's inauthentic, and it's obvious what I'm doing and very unattractive to today's newcomer. It's also unnecessary. If I say what I mean in my own words, it might not be as articulate as Uncle Bill did, but it will be sincere. People don't remember what they heard. They remember how the meetings or the members made them feel. Memorizing what Bill wrote won't leave an impression with the people who matter most, the newcomer. Last one. Save the day, action plan number four. Don't go away mad, but start your own meeting with alternative readings and a coffee pot. Uh, I mean, sometime in the future, I'm going to do a podcast talking about the, you know, sins of coffee. But anyway, uh, we're not there yet. There are plenty of books about alcohol use disorder written in this century. Some of them are written by AA members who are just as sober and just as smart as any of our first members. Go to the Rebellion Dogs bookstore. Go to AA Agnostica. Google it. There's plenty of my favorites all over the place. Read John Loritzen's book. Read Dale Kay's book. Just order something and start reading it. There's lots to read about alcoholism written in this century. Read a magazine article. This isn't blasphemy. It's just an uncommon way to go about things. The General Service Conference clarified this matter when 
AA members were complaining about uh, meetings that read non-conference approved literature, uh, bad AA meetings. So if you look under aa.org, Google conference approved, or look it up right on the website, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a statement from GSO, and it says as follows. Conference approved, an often misunderstood term as we've discussed here before, does not imply conference disapproval of other material about AA. A great deal of literature helpful to alcoholics is published by others, and AA does not try to tell any individual member what he or she may or may not read. My meeting, and yours, is the highest authority in AA. Now, if I can't persuade my meeting to try another way of running the meeting for a trial period anyway, and just see what happens, how am I going to persuade the General Service Conference to do things differently? If you want, write to your delegate, write to the grapevine, or your intergroup newsletter. Share this blog on Facebook, write your own blog. These are all worthwhile ideas while you do that. I don't want to get caught by thinking globally and forget to act locally. The AA way is to share our experience. There's no expertise to offer, no demands to be made. If a better way works in even one group, it will catch on. AA itself was created by trial and error, and our history is ongoing. We can still try new things without hyperbolic fear of ruining everything. What I can do by myself is ask myself, to, does what I say during our meeting resonate with the next generation? Is my meeting a welcoming place to the next generation? Abraham Lincoln said, the dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise with this occasion. As our case is new, so we must think anew and act anew. That's how I'm going to change AA. If one change doesn't have a lasting impact, I'll try another. If that doesn't work, uh, maybe I'll ask you what you're doing. Let the chair decide. Read a newspaper article. Read any book. Read no book at all. I'll try new things and see how people respond. And maybe I'll ask you what you're doing and how it's working for you. As a matter of fact, <laughs> at the time of recording, I'm getting ready for a SOAR, the Secular Ontario AA Roundup, where I'm going to host a workshop. If you're in Toronto, I hope you can attend. It's about starting an AA meeting or AA community. And really, I'm just looking to start a conversation with people about what your rituals are at your meeting, meetings you've started, what worked, what didn't. Uh, let's talk about it. So from one baby boomer, me, on how to save AA from baby boomer narcissistic nostalgia, there you have it. We'll do it one meeting at a time, one member at a time. I think it was an indigenous quote about how we don't inherit the earth from our ancestors. We borrow it uh, from the next generation, and I think that's true of AA as well. We're going out with a song. This is from the John Cohen Experimental. It's called Feed on Me. It's based on a Buddhist folktale. 
Enjoy. Thanks for being part of Rebellion Dogs Radio. A copy of this transcript is available at rebelliondogspublishing.com. See you online. There are links to our social media there. Five years old, I yelled and yelled, felt a stir, broken arm, something's moving, oops, false alarm, feed on me. Feed on me.